Welcome to the Grassroots Podcast hosted by GreenIndustryPros.com, where we dive into the root of the trends, business strategies, products, and personalities in the green industry. My name is Ryan Wisner, editor of Green Industry Pros. I recently sat down with Ditchwich product managers Chapman Hancock and Corey Maker to discuss some of the uses for vacuum excavators and drills as it applies in the green industry. Let's drop in on them now. Well, thanks, Corey and Chapman, uh, for coming on to the Grassroots uh, podcast today. Um, why don't I have you uh, introduce yourself first? Uh, Corey, uh, if you could uh, just tell me uh, what you do uh, with Ditchwitch. So with Ditchwitch, I'm the horizontal directional product manager for drills from JT5 up to 25,000 pound class. Okay. And how about you, Chapman? Yeah, thanks for having us on today, Ryan. My name's Chapman Hancock. I'm the product manager of our vacuum excavation at Ditchwitch. And uh, so today what we were planning on talking about is some of the alternative methods of uh, irrigation installation, uh, specifically in, re- in relation to the vacuum excavators and then uh, some of the drill opportunities as well. Um, so to start off with, and either one of you can jump in and kind of talk, talk about this, uh, what sorts of... Uh, equipment are traditionally used for irrigation line installation? I'll take this one, Ryan. Uh, the, traditionally, when we're talking about irrigation lines and many other utilities in the ground, uh, we're utilizing trenchers, backhoes, many excavators. Uh, there's a lot of different pieces of equipment out there that can perform the same job, depending on what the conditions are, whether it's hard ground, soft ground, sand, uh, ditch switch. Uh, we have trenchers. We have a trencher line as well from uh, 125 horsepower uh, ride-on trenchers all the way down to 14 to 16 horsepower walk-behinds. Uh, traditionally, uh, in the residential area, you're going to be looking at a lot of the pedestrian or the walk-behind units. Uh, we also have, a, or you'll also see skid steers or mini skid steers with trenching attachments on the front of them as well, uh, performing that work. And those are, those are really handy and convenient when you've got a long stretch uh, it's open ground. There's no utilities in the way. There's no trees in the way, no creek crossing. Uh, so it, those come in handy when uh, when you've got some nice open ground. Um, many X's are the same way. It just kind of depends on what you're putting in the ground and where you're putting it. So it, it sounds like uh, trenchers are kind of the go-to. So is there are there applications where you wouldn't want to necessarily get into use of a trencher for uh, an irrigation line installation then? Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll let Corey talk to the drill side in just a second about all of the different areas we can use drills to install the irrigation systems. But uh, sure. one thing that a vac does, and we we try to we try to broadcast it as widely as we can. Um, you know, drills and and vacuum excavators aren't necessarily used to replace. We like to think of them as kind of a complementary piece of equipment on the job site to help get the job done. Uh, we're not trying to replace the trenchers or the backhoes of the world. What we're trying to do is, is just be there to help. For example, you're trenching along, you've got a 200-foot trench to a house, and uh, this is an existing facility, existing residence, and you got a gas line in between you and the house or in between the house and the, the irrigation system. Uh, you know, it's best practice to, to expose that gas line, see it as you cross it, make sure you're not damaging any utilities in the ground, it could be gas line, an existing water line to the house, or even or even power or cable. Uh, so the vac- vacuum excavator is uh, a really handy tool to essentially soft excavate down, expose the existing utility without damaging it, and ensure the safe crossing. And so basically what a vacuum excavator is, if you can imagine a, 
a really big shop back with a diesel or gas engine on it and uh, basically like a, a power washer, a pressure washer. Uh, okay. So it comprises of a, a high wa- high pressure system for water. Uh, you're you're going to be pumping anywhere between four and a half to five and a half GPM of water at roughly 3,000 PSI to use that water pressure to excavate the land, the soil. Then you're going to use that vacuum pump to pull the slurry or the debris out into a tank. Uh, so it's it's essentially what we're all used to seeing every day in a, a shop vac and a pressure washer, just kind of condensed down to one piece of equipment specialized for excavation. Uh, and then, you know, the vacs pair well with the drills. And Corey, I know you've got a couple examples of some scenarios where trenchers didn't quite, couldn't quite get to or, or get the job done on the irrigation. I think Chapman nailed it on trying to explain, you know, in situations where, you know, a vac or a drill will be specified to be used. And I think those are very niche things. And, and that's why we always go back to a standard of saying open cut on new development stuff. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and we talked about this a little bit going into this, was, you know, the, the applications where we've seen things where, you know, looking at vacs and drills being less invasive. Uh, so one of the deals I got to be on was a, a job site in Canada where they're actually updating a golf course. And they basically laid out an ROI and developed this to say, here's what it would cost us to shut down, open cut everything, or here's what it would cost us if we basically brought in a drill and allowed the guys to play while they're actually still doing the work. You know, no open cutting, no have to open up fairways, things like that. And the overall added cost of drilling, uh, it was basically subsided by the amount of cost that would have been just to shut the golf course down to open cut and then come back and redo everything they did. So I think that's the biggest factor in this, in this unique method, whether it's vac or drilling, is that it's so much less invasive, but it is a much higher upfront cost. That's why the the general, whenever it's a, a new production of whatever type of irrigation, those guys tend to to lean more towards the open cut because it is a lower cost up front, but it's much more invasive if it's something where you already have grass, things like that, landscaping put in place. Well, and it's, uh, it's so with that with that in mind, uh, in in both instances, either the drills or the vacs, um, is that something that uh, I mean, the the landscapers and the and the guys doing the irrigation, I mean, are is that being used a lot for those uh, for those types of applications? We do see that a lot today, and that, that's something Chapman was sitting on too. A lot of times, whenever you're running a directional drill, nine times out of ten, there's a vac on that job site opening up the utility things you're crossing. Uh, whether or not you're making connections, things like that. Uh, so they go hand in hand in that situation. Uh, and again, it just, it's one of those things where, you know, one is providing a service to another at that point. Uh, but allowing those things, you know, whenever you talk about whether it's irrigation, you know, on a residential area, like I said, in a golf course, there's a lot of things that play into that. Whenever you start talking about the overall cost of landscape and, and things like that, that's where these start be becoming much more feasible options for things like that. And Chapman, how about on, on the VAC side of things, uh, could you touch on, I mean, certainly it, it, it is the, uh, the irrigation uh, portion. Um, are there some other applications that you get into uh, when, for some of these, the, the landscape contractors that might be utilizing them? Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. So the, you hit on it is, is how, how widely used or how well known are these pieces of equipment. Uh, yeah. We talk about a trencher. A lot of people understand what a trencher is and what it's intended to do. Uh, you know, in the last probably five years or less, the drill side of things and the back side of things has really kind of um, the the knowledge of those two pieces of equipment have really broadened. Uh, 
uh, whether that's because the infrastructure in the ground and the right of way is getting more and more crowded. So we're, we're seeing drills and backs on the side of the road as either road expansion or utility expansion is taking place. And, and while that's happening, you've got landscapers, contractors, homeowners driving by seeing that piece of equipment. And, you know, if, if they're of the mindset of equipment and wanting to DIY or they own their own business and they're wondering what those are, vacs and drills are being kind of looked up and trying to figure out what they're used for. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of different applications for, for the vacs when it comes to not only construction, but specifically the landscaping side. Uh, you, you, we, we just t- touched on the irrigation side and how they can help out there, uh, not only for crossing utilities, but, uh, you know, if you've been in the irrigation business or the landscaping business uh, for any amount of time at all, there's several times where either your mini X or your trencher can't get up next to a house to tie into a water line. You've got to dig that out by hand. Uh, and and uh, in most of the, most situations where there's a utility strike, it's done with a shovel. We all know where it's at. We've gotten our locates. We've done our homework. We've called 811. We've done all those things. Um, but that shovel, that last little bit, you think it's a rock, you jump on the shovel and you hit it, and it was the water line you were trying to tie into. So whether it's uh, access to getting to a utility because of a house or whatever it may be, uh, vacs are handy to use to excavate down in close proximity in areas that may be more sensitive, whether it's uh, an existing flower garden with vegetation and you need to get a nice specific pothole down to tie into a line, or you're just trying to get next to a house and there's a window and you don't want to break that window. Vacuum excavation can be used to to help open up that that hole or that pothole to tie into an, the existing water line. Uh, the other side of things is, and, and when we're talking more specifically landscaping, you think of a flower garden in a, in a mulch bed. You've got all this nice, pretty mulch and this wonderful vegetation that costs the homeowner some money and probably the landscaper time and putting it in as well. And he's making his yearly rounds. He's going through, he's cleaning out the mulch, putting new mulch down. Uh, you know, over time, that mulch is good because it decomposes and it, it adds nutrition back into the soil. But over time, you can imagine that, that stack up over the years. So you've mm-hmm. got to be able to pull that out. Well, in most cases, you don't want to damage your annual flowers, your annual vegetation that you're expecting to come back. So you can actually use the the suction tool on the vacuum side and pull the mulch out without damaging any vegetation around. You're not harming the the flowers or the grass that may be there. You're just pulling the mulch out from around it. You're able to haul it off, put it in a compost, wherever you're going to take it, uh, and then go back in and put the new mulch down without adding layers to the existing mulch bed that's there. Sure. Um, there's other applications where uh, landscapers and arborists are using vacs for tree installation and growth stimulation. So if you, okay. if you can imagine a, a young tree five to six feet tall, or even, even if you want to jump into the, say, like the city trees that we're seeing that are 20, 25 feet tall, when you put that tree in, you dig out that excavation, that hole, a lot of times they're using those, those kind of fork grabbers where they're going down big in a hole, just big enough for the, the yeah. tree itself. So, yeah. so you put that root ball down in there in that tree and you've got 25 feet sticking up in the air or even five feet and that tree's going to want to move on you. And so a lot of times you'll stake it down, you'll try to help give it strength and, and let the roots kind of do their thing and get down and, and create um, a good base for that tree to grow. 
what they're using vax for today is going in and actually loosening up the soil whether it's air excavation or hydro they're loosening up the soil around the tree and more of a horn of the horizontal area rather than vertical and just like anything else in nature the path of least resistance wins and so if you if you loosen up the soil horizontally those roots are going to grow out and create a better base for that tree so whether it's fall winds or spring winds like we have here in Oklahoma, that tree's gonna have a good solid root foundation to get through that. And uh, then they're also using it on older trees, more mature trees going in and just loosening up the soil and the, the top surface to help new root stimulation, new root growth going out there to help stabilize the tree as it grows. So there's a lot of applications in the uh, landscape and irrigation side for vacuum excavation. Sure. And I guess too, uh, Corey, on the on the drill side of things, um, uh, in just in, in conjunction with the with the vax, um, I would imagine that uh, you really you you do get that uh, crossover as well, where where you do see some of it, some of that on the landscape side as well. Just like you said, um, the the drill use is changing as to what they normally would have used it for because they're seeing it more often is that is that pretty accurate definitely and honestly we see it in very populated areas a ton uh when you start talking about the like what chapman was saying with the infrastructure that's in the ground uh open cutting is getting to be almost impossible in a lot of areas uh some of the developed areas are being updated uh, and that's where we see a lot of the, the directional drilling come into the place especially in irrigation and we continue to see more and more people move that direction uh, the trade shows we go to, the amount of interest we even have uh, from some of the guys that are only in irrigation that have only done open cut, moving sure. into that, you know, it's a small niche part of their business, knowing that, you know, when they do work like that, there's chances where driveways, just short road crossings, little things like that. Um, having that option is so much less cost overall in, in the long run, uh, not having to go back and repair a road, a driveway, the yard, things like that. So anytime when you talk about, you know, these two applications, uh, drilling or vax, when it's tied to something like this, it always goes back to that being less invasive. And generally that's where we see this application, you know, actually makes sense for these people in this industry. But I think a lot of it goes back to also is the technology that's continued to develop over the years and being so much more accurate and smaller, compact, powerful machines that, that can actually go do that work and make sense. In, in both instances yeah. for the, Oh, go ahead, Chapman. Yeah, Corey, you, you hit on something that kind of made me think of something. I was on a job site where a lot of times when we're talking about uh, directional drilling and you mentioned the golf course, a lot of times we're, we're thinking in our heads more um, urban areas, high-profile golf courses or neighborhoods. Uh, I was on a job site where uh, this little neighborhood had uh, rock road, so it was out in the country and they had built this road up and it had been there for about three or four years and they needed to get a water line across it and they had the means to trench it in uh, but but as they did the roi it was going to cost them thousands of dollars over the next year to try to repair that road so there wasn't essentially a speed bump in it and uh, we utilized uh, a drill and a vacuum excavator to get underneath the road and across so we didn't have to dig up their existing driveway and, and cost more money there. So the, the ROI, when you looked at the, the long-term uh, maintenance of that road, definitely played into the ROI making more sense to go with a drill. Uh, and then in that same area, actually, we were trying to get power back to a 
what was going to be a new house. And we had two creek crossings we needed to go through. The trenchers could have done it, but it just rained. So there was, there was really not a good way to get through that creek without getting stuck with the trencher. So uh, we were able to bring a drill on site and, and cross that way as well and just keep on going with the trencher once we crossed it. So it, okay. it really isn't just, uh, you know, an urban area. It's also used in rural areas as well where trenching or excavating doesn't quite make sense. Sure. In, in either case, uh, do you find is, are these uh, uh, machines more something that uh, the contractors are, are renting or are they, are they uh, purchasing these? So on the drill side, definitely that's not something that they would go rent. This is kind of a specialized niche market. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, a, a lot of these jobs where these guys develop, you know, an industry around something like this on something they haven't been is just, you know, the dealer network does an amazing job of being able to go out and do demos. You know, when they, somebody comes in to rent a vac for something like this, you know, they talk to them about their options, what they could do with the directional drill. They start talking about the volume of work they could possibly have and where they could justify doing that. And a lot of it's, you know, the ROI I talked about and the one that Chapman just talked about. When you lay things like out, that out for those guys in that industry that haven't really been part of it, that's where they start to see where it's much more feasible now. Like we talk about the, not only the technology, the equipment, but even just the workforce that's out there, the amount of work that's being done. A lot of those guys that have the smaller equipment that would be out there helping doing subcontracting for that's doing fiber work right now. So you're seeing a lot more of these, these industry guys in, in the landscaping, things like that, self-performing the work. Yeah, that's... That, that really is kind of how the, the VACs fit into that situation as well. You know, we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the audience that VACs and drills are starting to get with road expansion and more construction going around uh, has helped the interest in rental yards uh, and other applications as well. Uh, so whether they're renting, renting a trencher or something else, they may see a, a VAC sitting on the lot as well. Um, sure. But one thing that Corey pointed out was the Ditchwich Dealer Network. Um, and the, the nice thing there is the Ditchwich dealers are going to have not only the drills for you, they're going to have the, the VACs and not, not just one, but also different horsepowers, whether it's a gas or a diesel, different, different uh, suction, different specs for it, so different performance grades. So sure. depending on what you're trying to go do and what your expectations are for it, it definitely helps to, to stop by and, and just ask those questions. And like Corey said, in most cases, they're, they're very willing and, and ready to get out there and help demo a unit, but they're also there and available for rental as well. So, um, you know, traditionally our Ditchwich dealer network has been there for rentals. Uh, on the VAC side, we've got more rental yards accepting VACs and bringing them in after looking at the ROIs. Um, so they are definitely different areas and different places you can go to get VACs for rent. Sure. Yeah, I just wasn't sure it based on, you know, the uh, what the contractor might be doing. I mean, if they're they are more on that irrigation side, I, I you know, certainly the drills I can see them uh, acquiring. But uh, if you're a landscaper that also does some the irrigation, that's where I was thinking that perhaps uh, that type of contractor is more likely to to rent a vac depending on the job that they're doing versus purchasing one, which, you know, and depending on how large of a contractor they are. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Ryan. I mean, I think, I think it goes back to, I like to kind of, you know, take it back home to everybody and, and essentially just like anything else right in life, you want to try it before you buy it or you want to get your hands on it. And, you know, right. you want to see how well is it made? What can it do for me? How does it work? Uh, especially in a business, you know, every, 
every purchase of equipment or every asset that you buy or bring on, um, it, it costs money and it, it needs to be validated. And so what we're seeing a lot of times in this industry and in many others as well is the rental of the VAX. And so we'll, we'll rent the VAX to the customers, uh, whether it's like you said, they're needing to expose the utility or, or excavate the mulch out of a flower bed. They'll bring it on site, they'll do it. And then what typically happens is they'll start getting more and more of those jobs because they find that they're more efficient at it with a VAC. And so they'll start getting more and more of those jobs. And then over time, they'll start making sense of, well, maybe I can go ahead and acquire one of these and, and bring it on my fleet. And so it's, you know, we see it both ways, but you're absolutely correct. And a lot of these guys are getting into VACs in the irrigation and landscape market by renting first. And so I guess with that said, does it, does it make sense uh, for those contractors to either rent or purchase uh, not only the VACs or drills, but also, you know, in, include the trenchers in that and just because it takes kind of a full mix of, of potentially all three to really do some of this work? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, Corey's mentioned a couple different times the ROI and looking at that financial model as you're bringing on the, the new assets to your company and your business. Uh, but if, if you if you also think and and one thing that also is taken into place, not only future maintenance, as Corey mentioned, with shutting down the golf course or tearing up a road and, and the maintenance to get it back to where it was, but also downtime. So you, we also got to keep in, in mind downtime. And so what I mean by that is you're putting in an irrigation line and you come across a gas line. Thank goodness we didn't hit it or an electric, doesn't matter what it is. You don't want to hit any utilities that are in the ground. Uh, it can be costly and, and also very time consuming to get them fixed. Uh, so if you imagine running across a utility you didn't think was there, or you know whether it's a sewer lateral, something else may not have been marked, the downtime to go back to your shop, get the proper equipment, bring it back out, or just breaking out the shovels and digging around it. You're talking hours. And if you don't have the right equipment on site, you're potentially talking three or four hours of downtime per job just to go back to the shop and get the right thing. Uh, so by having the, the trencher and the vac on site ready to go helps you not only as you're digging your, your main line with the trencher, you can go ahead and be opening up the tie-in point at the house, or you can be excavating around the existing utilities as you're trenching in. And another thing, you can trench in your main line, you can start putting in the, the, the irrigation line, as the VAT guy is opening up the hole to tie it in, you know, there's an opportunity for everyone to be working. Uh, and then not only on that side, but I think Corey, you've got some really good examples. We've talked about where having that drill in your arsenal is very, very helpful when it comes to opening up the, just the diversity of job sites that you're going to be able to tend to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in cases like that, there's times where, you know, whenever you're looking at bids for these types of jobs, to where you have the knowledge of how to figure out to do that bid, knowing that, you know, one, maybe you could self-perform or you have to go out and subcontract with somebody else. And and that's where, again, the dealer network plays a lot into that, making sure that you have the right equipment in those situations, because the dealers that work in those areas know, know those ground types, the soil conditions, the proper equipment, the proper tooling, let alone, uh, to make you more productive. And, and that's where, you know, when we start laying some of this stuff out and we talk about it, it is a very specialized niche market when you talk about the irrigation side of it, but there is still a massive part of that industry out there that requires this type of technology to put this type of stuff in the ground without damaging uh, whatever existing landscape or utilities that are there. 
And I think that's, and we're starting to see more and more of that. And, you know, whether it's infrastructure or whether it's somebody that, that doesn't want their, their yard tore up, there, there's a lot of factors that play into that. But you'll even see bid specs for a job that requires something like this, that if you're that traditional irrigation guy that's only doing open cut, plowing, things like that, that you can't even get into that industry. You can't even bid on that job. And for both of these uh, types of equipment to uh, just, I mean, the drills or the, or the vacs, um, again, not being overly familiar with it myself, uh, is, are these things that, uh, I mean, is, are these one person uh, use or, uh, I mean, like with the drills, is that something where you're going to have two people operating or what's, how, how we'll start with the drills and, and if you want to walk through how that would work. So in a directional drill, generally, uh, especially in the smaller industry, the JT5, JT10 that would be utilized in this situation, uh, you'll have a drill operator. And then you'll also have a, a locator that's locating the beacon that's in the drill head uh, while you're actually drilling out. And a lot of times, the, the work that we're talking about utilizing the vac with that will be performed ahead of time. But one of the, the big things with that is, is the, the technology behind that, having you know skilled people in the labor force trying to one guy drilling, one guy locating, uh, is kind of uh, deceiving to some people, uh, understanding, you know, in the past, you know, having an operator that knew how to let alone run the piece, piece of equipment, uh, and then a guy actually out locating, giving you signals back on making steering corrections, missing utilities, things like that. Uh, but it's some of the technology that's built into that has made that a, a much simpler process. Uh, and that's where, you know, this 15 years ago wouldn't have been that big of a, a deal in this industry just because it wasn't feasible. And that right. technology has continued to make it more user friendly. So in these cases, it does make more sense. Yeah. And, and on the VAC side, uh, you know, Corey mentioned you've got an operator and a, a locator helping steer and, and direct that operator. On the VAC side of things, uh, you know, you could potentially run, depending on what you're doing, a one man operation, whether it's sucking out a, a flower garden or the mulch, that could potentially be one man. Uh, you know, it, it, it always goes back to the buddy system for, for us, you know, it's, if you've got someone on site with you, you're always going to be in a safer situation. Someone's there to help you if something were to happen and you need assistance. So we, we always try to point back to the buddy system, try to always have someone with you, whether they're setting up the job or they're helping you get set up and you're doing something different. Uh, it's always a good idea to have more than one person on site. Uh, when it comes to excavating with a vac, it's it's uh, just much more natural with two people. You've got one man running the the suction tool, whether it's on a boom or handheld. You're running the suction tool, and then you've also got another guy who's running the the digging lance or the the hydro digging lance, the power washer wand, essentially. Uh, so as you're excavating, you've got two people there looking and and excavating as well. So uh, it's much more natural with two people. Right. Well, in something small scale with this too, those same two guys that are running that drill in the locator are generally going to be the two guys prepping with that back. So it's not like you'd have four people on the job site total. Right. Sure, sure. Oh, that makes sense. And with with with, uh, with the vac, then as far as when you're uh, when you're excavating, that you've you've mentioned that both both the drilling and and using the vac is pretty non-invasive. So I mean, it's you, you can it's pretty precision that yeah, precision uh when you're digging with the vat with the uh back uh to it's it, you're not going to see a whole as much of a path as you would if you were using the trencher and stuff i would imagine right 
Right. Yeah. You can, you can be a lot more precise in where you're excavating and, and the amount of excavation that's required for trenching or excavating. Uh, you know, you can imagine a mini excavator coming in and you've got a 12 inch wide bucket and you're putting in a one inch line. So, right. you know, you've got <laughs> essentially 10 inches. I mean, you got a little bit more than that, but essentially you probably want an inch or two to get in there and with your hands and put the pipes together. Uh, sure. But with a vac, you can be a little more precise, uh, you know, and if you have some overspray, it's not going to hurt anything. So, for example, you're excavating next to the house to open that tie-in point. You accidentally hit the brick or the siding or whatever it is. It's not going to damage anything. It's just an oops, I, you know, you kind of overstepped it. Whereas with a, with other pieces of equipment, that can that could lead to damage. So that's sure. why we like to say vacuum excavation is safe excavation. Uh, it mitigates damage. And uh, you can use it in many different opportunities and situations. Uh, for a vac, it, you know, it's really uh, less invasive than a trencher in, in many cases because we've had situations where Corey's mentioned, you know, they didn't want a trencher or a, any type of equipment running over the lawn. They've just manicured this beautiful lawn, but they need to put an irrigation system. So it's always kind of a, cringe when the equipment comes in and they're digging a trench up and they're mounting up the dirt. Well, what VACs can do is, is you can actually park the VAC on the driveway. You can string out the hundred feet of hose if you need to. Uh, you got two operators walking across the lawn and you, you can excavate the two inch wide trench to install your irrigation line. Uh, and then you can go back in with a high grade soil to cover the, the line back up and help stimulate the growth of that grass back in place. So um, it's not only less invasive in the fact that you're able to get different places, but you're also not having to, to drive over places that you may not want to drive over, whether it's a well-manicured lawn or you got the most rain you've ever seen in your life in one month and you still have to get the job done, but you don't want to go run up somebody's yard. That's kind of where a vac can, can come in handy. So, so the vac, uh, tube itself also extends fairly far? Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine a, a, a pressure washer. You've got that 3 eighths to 5 eighths, depending on what you're running line going into that wand for the water. But you've also got a 3 or 4 inch on the smaller stuff, and in some cases, 6 inch to 8 inch suction hose. And you can lay that out 100 feet from the vac, just string it out, and the dig tube attaches right to it. and you're ready okay. to go. So, all right. Well, um, I guess uh, I, I think that really uh, sums up uh, a lot of what you can t uh, talk about uh, the the drills and the vacs today. Is there anything else you wanted to talk to uh, mention to me uh, regarding some of the uh, alternative methods uh, in relation to irrigation installation and be it the trenchers, the drills, or the vacuum excavators today? Well, Ryan, first, I'd just like to say thanks for having us on, taking the time to have us the opportunity to get on here and kind of talk to you about the alternative methods of installation and how our equipment fits into the landscaping and irrigation side of the business. Uh, you know, it's whether you're working with Ditchwich, we love Ditchwich, we work for Ditchwich, whether you're a Ditchwich, you're a competitive company, or you're uh, a mini excavator operator, you know, we always recommend going back to that dealer network that's there to help support you. On the Ditchwich side, we're not only there to help with the sale or the rent of the equipment, we're there to be the experts in the area. So if you're new uh, or if you're into something you've never been into before, that Ditchwich dealer is going to have the knowledge and the ground conditions you're going to be in. 
They're going to help you guide you, whether it's a vac on nozzle selection, dig tube type. Uh, the drill is going to be the drill head, drill pipe, all that fun stuff. So not only on that, on the uh, sales and service side, but also on the knowledge of what ground conditions are. They're also going to be very knowledgeable on how to safely operate. So it's another good point to go and ask for training tips if you need them or if you'd like for them to come train you on something. It's another great point to hit on. So thanks for having us on today, Ryan. Absolutely. Corey, did you want to offer anything? Definitely. And again, again, thanks for having us on here. But one thing, too, is the whole education and just diversification of your company. You know, the work that you have today may not be there tomorrow. Uh, being in multiple different applications like that, having this type of equipment, I mean, all the way from the trencher, all the way down to the drills, the vacs, everything, and providing that that one-stop solution for that, that customer base that those, those customers are out supplying to, you know, whether it's irrigation, uh, other utilities, things like that. Having that diversity helps you through times, whether it's recessions or even just market downs. So uh, again, but again, thank you for having us on here. Absolutely. And uh, thank you both uh, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And I uh, hope we can talk again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Well, that's it for this edition of the Grassroots Podcast. Thanks to Chapman and Corey for taking the time to talk with us today. Remember to tune in bi-weekly for another Fresh Cut episode of the Grassroots Podcast by GreenIndustryPros.com. 